Welcome to another week of the Sports Blog Podcast. Nathan Stacken here, Travis Crins with you, co-host of this fine podcast. You can also listen to the 2080 Baseball Podcast as well, available on iTunes, which he is a co-host of as well. Mr. Crins, how are you? Perfect. Good, good. Uh, Would you like to uh, go into what happened, what transpired on Tuesday regarding the country singer, or would you like to wait with that until the end? Do you have any Glenn Campbell thoughts? Life ended on a Tuesday. Alzheimer's for the past handful of years. 81 years old. Now, did, uh, did he have CTE? Did he get in any concussions? Uh, I think maybe Alzheimer's overrules CTE, I would say. Okay. I'd say it's a, uh, a bad, bad version of CTE. Yes. You okay. have, uh, you have, Southern, you have uh, Rhinestone Cowboy, of course. You it's, have uh, it's, on my, it's on my and, iPod. As well, it should be. You have uh, Galveston. Oh, Galveston. Uh, that's on and, one of uh, my. Uh, it's on a track, I believe. Great track. Great track. And uh, also Southern Nights. I said three, uh, three most noteworthy songs for uh, Glenn Campbell, noted uh, cocaine user, back uh, in his heyday. <laughs> Well, maybe that could have led to it, too. So we're doing this podcast with a heavy heart uh, today for Glenn Campbell. No relationship to Earl Campbell. Great running back. What? Or Kelly Campbell. Or Kelly Campbell. That's true. You you don't think Kelly Campbell, Viking great wide receiver, is related to him in any way, shape, or form? The way Glenn Campbell was in his day, I put nothing past this (laughs) <laughs> Very good. Um, I know it's uh, reluctantly for you, uh, but we will be talking mm-hmm. some NFL here because there's you a son of a <laughs> son of a gun. Because uh, there, there is plenty to get into here. Would you like to talk uh, baseball first, though? Uh, oh yeah, the baseball season since yeah. actually playing games. Yeah. Yeah. Why the hell not? Yeah. Why the hell not? Well, my my can you can you answer me this before we get into really what transpired right, last week and what we're looking into this week? Can you tell me exactly what happened last week between the Cleveland Indians and the Boston Red Sox? What was it, a 14-12 game for Boston? Uh, it was a wild game, like some wild pitches, some walk-off home runs. Just explain this game to me because it seemed like a lot of ups and downs and one that Cleveland squandered. And this is a game on uh, what, Tuesday of last week. I saw quite a bit of the a bit of it, the last, uh, the second half of it, and uh, it was one of the the better games of the year, the better finishes of the year. Um, it was a game in which uh, early on I was taping the uh, the baseball podcast at the time, and I saw that the uh, that Sale had given up five runs in the first two innings. I wow, Sale, not so great, and he had uh, Carlos Carrasco. For Cleveland, he can, he can get out of the second inning. He gave up five runs in the second, so it's a five-five tie in the second. And the next couple innings, things settle down a little bit, but they go into the uh, into the ninth inning, and uh, Boston uh, they have a nine-to-eight lead. And uh, Cleveland scores uh, two in the ninth to take the lead, ten to nine. Craig Kimball uh, he blows the save. And then all of a sudden, Boston comes back in a three-run home run to win it 12-10. So, a uh, very exciting game. Five total runs in the ninth inning. Uh, Kimbrell, he blows it, but he gets the win. One inning pitched, two runs, three hits, 
a home run given up, winning pitcher, winning pitcher of the game. And That's then you great. had uh, Cody Allen, Cleveland closer. He lost the game, three runs, three run home run, and two thirds of an inning. So yeah, really one of the uh, the better games, better finishes, exciting finishes uh, of the season there last week. Let me ask you this as well now. Uh, trade deadline was last week. We spent a, a lot of time yeah. talking about that and all the trades and who got better and this and that. And then you have the Seattle Mariners over the weekend trading for Yonder Alonso from the Oakland A's. So what the hell is there? Why is there a trade deadline if, if teams can still make trades after that? This makes no sense to me. The, uh, the, non, the, the waiver deadline, so everybody's got to go on waivers as Buxton crashes in the water and kills himself again. Um, you go on waivers, every, like everybody, literally everybody, Harper, Trout, everybody's put on waivers for whatever reason. And if they do clear waivers, if nobody claims them, uh, then they can then be traded. If somebody does go get claimed, then you can work out a trade with that team. So let's say, uh, I don't know what happened in this case, but uh, Yonder Alonso, either he went through waivers and nobody claimed him, or Seattle claimed him, and they worked out a deal. I don't know which it, which it was. But, uh, I don't know, just kind of a, a different way to, to do things. You can still make trades up to, like, you know, August 31st, September 1st, and uh, get that done. So, uh, the trade deadline is, like, anybody can be traded to anybody, basically. And uh, you can get it done. This waiver deadline is uh, a little different. Like, Verlander, right. and I think... Detroit's had some conversations with Houston, and they really didn't go anywhere uh, for Verlander. But, yeah, you'll see a couple more trades here okay. uh, the next couple of weeks. Just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me than why right after a trade deadline you can do these other trades. But, you know, if you, as you say, it's much, go harder, much harder to do. Right. Uh, much, it, much harder to get that yeah, We see Buxton crash into the wall here uh, in the Twins yeah. Brewers game. Uh, I've seen this happen more and more lately with him. I, I mean, he's a very good defender uh, in the outfield, but uh, I, I'm seeing more of this where he's crashed into the wall. Shouldn't he be making these catches? Well, that one that just happened, that looked like it hit his glove if we're watching the same thing here. Yep. And um, it looked like it hit his glove, so that's probably something he would like to catch. Um, but then on the other hand, if it's somebody without his speed, he probably doesn't even come close to even touching the ball. That's uh, not that there. Ball on Monday night, uh, he drove like, like fucking Superman and uh, goddamn near made the catch. And uh, apparently the catch probability rate, which I like, was at 7%. And he almost got a glove on it. So that's maybe would have been the catch of the year if, he, if it was all out going off to his left, full extension, diving in the, uh, diving back. Couldn't make the catch. So, um, like his, the, the thing with, with like defensive stuff and defensive metrics is that he gets to so many balls that normal men will not even get to. So like if, you know, if they call that an error, I don't know if they call it an error or not, but the average center fielder probably doesn't even touch the ball. So that kind okay. of, uh, a wide, a wide range. She's a big range. She can catch balls that the other man can't even get to. Okay, that that's fair enough. Um, the Twins still hanging around in the AL Central, that's briefly, you know, for the most part. Two and uh, a half back. I mean, two and a half back with fifty-two to go. They're 
they're there. Yep. Yep, and they are. Like I say, the the, the central not the likeliest, but still a chance. Uh, the the wild cards well within reach here. Kansas City has fallen off a little bit here. Uh, I mean, the Mariners make that trade, but I, the Twins. I said they had to get through July and August and September are the months that they really should do really well in. So I I have to think here that the the Twins can set themselves up for for success here. Yeah, Kansas City has cooled down. Uh, the with the Angels, they play both Baltimore and Seattle. So those teams are going to beat up on each other, teams in front of the Twins. So the Twins can have like, you know, a five and two week would go a long way. I'd take a four and three week uh, this week. Um, it's going to come down to the first week and a half of September. Twins play Kansas City seven times in ten days. They go five and two. That'll be huge. I go at least four and three mm-hmm. to pick up a game. But first week and a half, Kansas City Twins seven times. That's uh, going to tell us a bunch. Yes, it is. Uh, overall, you're looking at the standings here. Boston with a three-game lead on the Yankees in the AL East. Rays five and a half back. Baltimore, say what you want about them, but you know they because they struggled mightily there for about a two-month stretch. But they're hanging around in there too. And you know you just start to think back to when they made the trades for Hellickson, and they said, "Hey, we're still in this." People are like, "No, you aren't. Not at all." But. I mean, they, especially this week when they go on the road, but they get to play the Angels and the A's. This is a chance for them to gain some ground. How serious should we be taking the Orioles here as uh, as we are in the middle of August, just about? And I like, I like, you know, I think the Yankees are going to hold the game. I think it's between Tampa and Kansas City. They get there. Seattle's making some noise. I don't give Baltimore, because their pitching's a mess. I don't give them much of a chance. Their offense can get hot. Manny Machado's a lot better. Um, unfortunate first half, but he's back. Um, he's putting up a good second half. So uh, Baltimore can definitely get hot. they got a lot of guys that hit a lot of home runs and go hot and cold. So, yeah, again, if any of I mean, we saw Kansas City get hot there for, for a good month. They, they played really well for a month, month and a half, and they went on like a... 10-game winning streak almost, or 11 or 12, and that was enough to push them to the top of the list, and now they just kind of got to be 500 here for the next six weeks until we get to the end of September, and then uh, and, and then go from there. But uh, it's, it's very exciting, the, the AL wild card, because you know, Twins, two games under, they're still still in the mix. That's, that's good. Yep, the a- the Astros are running away with the AL West. Dallas Keuchel not happy with Houston uh, with the lack of urgency or lack of moves that they made at the trade deadline. Does he have beef? And the Astros really since the All Star break, not that they really need to hit the panic button at all, but they haven't really been great like they were before. How much uh, cause for concern there in Houston? Well, injuries are concerned. Keuchel had another bad start on Tuesday. Uh, Lance McCullers is on the DL again, so if those two guys are on, they're they're very good. But if they're not, I mean they're and we're and they've been off here for for a good month. And Keuchel's not been good since he's came off the DL. So I thought they would have added a pitcher. They added Lariano to the bullpen. That's 
not much of a move. Um, I would hope they would add somebody here. I mean, they. I mean, everybody else added something. Like you look at all the other teams. Um, like Houston was the one team that's going to make the playoffs that didn't add anybody. So it is uh, unfortunate. Apparently, they were pretty deep in the talks with Baltimore for Zach Britton, and that fell off. So that was going to be their big move for their bullpen. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we'll see if they do anything near the next. Three weeks, you know, I'm with them and Verlander. Verlander's pitched well the last couple of weeks, so I think they need to do something because um, they can probably beat the Yankees in the first round. Uh, then Cleveland after that, uh, we'll see. On the, I, don't, I, don't know if they, I don't think they can beat Cleveland right now. On the NL side, Washington running away with the, uh, with the East here. Not really much to say from anywhere there. The Central, that's getting really good. All of a sudden, the Cardinals are right back in the mix here. The Brewers, uh, they, I mean, they're still within striking distance of the Cubs. Because the Cubs, I don't think, you know, unlike last year, just because they're in first now doesn't mean that they are going to stay there. Uh, I would think if we were betting men, which at least one of us is, uh, we would say that it's probably likely that the Cubs stay in first place, but uh, not with what we have seen from them this year. They lost two of three to Washington over the weekend. They're playing the Giants this week, which that's fortunate. But, uh, I mean, the NL Central is far from determined yet, and you you still have guys or teams like the Cardinals and the Pirates right there who have a chance. And that is unbelievable to me that at this point in the season – Four teams in the NL Central still have a shot. Well, let's see. I got a. You got to be over five hundred for me to say you got a shot. So Cardinals are at five hundred. Uh, Pittsburgh they're two under. Yeah, Twins are two and a half back, but they're still under five hundred. And we know you got to be over five hundred to make the playoffs. You're not going to get in. You got to win at least oh, 83, 84 games here to give yourself a chance. So got to get a few games over five hundred. I know Cubs people are finally waiting for the Cubs, and uh, at first. Two weeks of the all-star break they're going to win that division because of that um like cubs washington that's your first round playoff series so that's we can preview that now if you want two months ahead of time we know it's going to be cubs cubs the nationals so that should be a fun little series and the dodgers um on a record pace um they're on pace to 115 116 games that is the record 116 is the record and um, they are right there. So I hopefully that is something that people pay attention to. And hopefully that is something the Dodgers uh, yes. chase down because yes. uh, that is quite amazing. It, it, they continue to kill folks. It's unbelievable what they're doing. Clayton Kershaw, of course, not in the starting lineup right now. They in their last fifty-one games, they're forty-four and seven. I saw the Jeez. stat that, uh, and this is entering Tuesday, I should say. Saw the stat that no team has fewer than 22 losses in that stretch. And the Dodgers have lost seven. I mean, that... I don't know how... I, I, I just don't get it. I don't... There are no words to really express what they're doing. Now, have they have they come through in clutch situations? Absolutely. Look at what they did to the Twins in that series. The Twins arguably should have won two of the three. So you get a little luck with these streaks, but this team is built for the long run. You get you Darvish in there, and this uh, this Dodgers team, you have to make them the World Series front runners at this point. And I don't think that's. But at the same time, at the same time, 
Washington is loaded with talent. You do have the Cubs who, you know, if they can get hot, you never know what can happen there. So you were looking at this Dodgers team, and does it kind of feel like the Mariners, what, back in the, was it the late 90s and the early 2000s, where they won 116 games but didn't even make the World Series? I mean, that's a, that is a possibility. I'm not saying it's a high possibility, but it is possible because the NL has a couple of really good teams that uh, the Dodgers would potentially have to go through. Yeah, the Dodgers, uh, yeah, I hope they continue this run here and challenge the all-time wins record. That would be something fun. I have them for, I think they've got five of the ten best players in the National League. Um, Kershaw would be on that list for me. You have uh, Corey Seager, uh, Justin Turner, uh, my guy Bellinger, mm-hmm. and a guy somebody know nobody's ever heard of, uh, Chris Taylor, who I think is a, a top ten player. I mean, they've got you know everybody's having a good year. Puig is uh, getting some home runs. Puig's probably going to get you thirty home runs. Uh, just up and down this lineup, everybody's above average, and it is an embarrassment of riches for this team. And uh, Kenley Jansen. Probably the best closer in baseball. Um, they are, yeah. For me, they're the huge, huge favorite. Yep, and, uh, and rightfully so. They, they should. I'm just pointing out that there are teams in the NL that I think, well, I mean, that can well, thwart the Dodgers' uh, hopes of making it to the World Series because there's they can match them for the most part, talent for talent. Like, and I, I say the Nationals have the best chance because you want to look at that line or that rotation when you can throw in Strasburg and, and Scherzer there. I mean, they got some good offense, but you got those two guys. I'm going to give you a chance in just about any series. Dodgers are going to play Colorado or Arizona in that first round. They should probably beat them. Washington Nationals have never won a playoff series, and they've been around for 50 years with the Expos. Yep. And Cubs, Cubs are going to be tough. So, I mean, you look at that first-round series, Washington-Cubs, maybe that's a five-game grinder, and then the Dodgers sweep whoever the hell they play. Uh, Arizona would probably give them more of a chance with Grinke and, and, and company. But, yeah, Dodgers... Uh, it, this is this is one of the better teams we've seen in probably 20 years. So that's, and they added you, Darvish. So it would be a huge disappointment if they don't get there. A big disappointment if they don't win. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, and can we say maybe that Vin Scully, uh, him leaving oh, the booth, my. is the reason why the Dodgers are doing so well? Your, uh, one of your favorite authors, Bill Simmons. Oh, fuck him. I'm sorry. How dare you? How dare you? Bad language. Come on, this there. podcast, use that language. Fuck it. <laughs> I would say he's got a theory that I'm sure you're not, you're not familiar with because you hate him. Um, he's got the Ewing theory, Patrick Ewing theory, where if you get rid of your best player, uh, you get better. Or situations where that have ha- where that has happened. Okay. Uh, like Patrick Ewing, he was he was hurt like in that uh, lockout year of ninety nine, two thousand or ninety nine, when the Spurs beat the uh, beat the Knicks in the finals, and the Knicks were the eighth seed, and uh, Ewing was hurt, and they got better, and somehow made the made the goddamn finals as an eighth seed. Mm-hmm. So, so 
Maybe that's the Ewing theory. They get rid of their legendary broadcaster for 70 years, and they get to their first World Series in 30. Maybe that's what the deal is. It very, it, hey, you know what? Anything is possible. Uh, I, was just there, I mean, their pitching is... Uh, the Cubs last year, their pitching was, was very good, a lot better than anybody else's. Uh, Dodgers, their team ER is 3.07. Yep. Diamondbacks are second at 3.55. So they're nearly a half run better than anybody else. Um, their pitching is very, very good. So they are uh, historically putting up an amazing uh, pitching pitching year. Yes. Yes. No doubt about it. Uh, can we just talk a little bit, though, for a second about Colorado's Nolan Arenado? Sure. He, I mean, he, arguably, I mean, you you talk about the Bryce Harpers and of course what Bellinger's doing, but I would look at what Arenado's done with a couple of walk off home runs. What he's hit for the cycle at least once this year. Uh, I mean, dude is putting up some awesome numbers here. I would hope that he would get some serious. Uh, Consideration for the MVP. I doubt he will get it because I would assume that's going to go to Bellinger or, like I say, maybe Bryce Harper. But uh, Arenado, I mean, at this point, 25 home runs, 98 RBI. Sure, he plays in Colorado, but what he's doing, he is a major reason why the Colorado Rockies are resurgent this year and are most likely going to make the playoffs. Yeah, Arenado. I mean, I, I got a guy who I would vote over Arenado on his own team. On his own team, I would vote over him for MVP. Okay. Charlie Blackman. Sure, sure. I, hey, he hit a leadoff home run Tuesday night against the Indians. He leads the National League. He has already scored 100 runs. They have 50 more games to play. So now, the, I mean, he's averaging a run per game. So you could have 150 runs. Nobody talks about this, guys. Put together two or three really good seasons. Uh, and then he won a batting title a year or two ago. He's hitting a 333 this year. So he's, I mean, Charlie Blackman doesn't get any coverage. And I think he'll be in the top 10 for MVP. Um, yeah, Arenado, he'll be in the top 10. Um, definitely deserving. Uh, on the on the uh, 2080 baseball podcast Twitter, I got into an argument with uh, some some folks uh, a few months back. About you getting into an argument that shocks me. I, I try to limit the Twitter uh, the Twitter arguments uh, as much as I can. Yeah. Um, but I, I, this was back on May 9th, so quite a while ago. But. Yeah. Month into the season, and uh, here's here's a very simple tweet. I don't think you've seen this. Um, like uh, Twitter account, some stats account um, tweeted out Nolan Arenado stats through the first five weeks of the season with the hashtag not cords because they did his road and home stats, and his uh, road stats were were much better than his home stats five weeks through the season. Oh, I go, not Coors. He's better away from home. Well, then I said, I wonder what his numbers from last year look like. And no shock, he's much better at home uh, than on the road, as he has been every year. Sure. And as he will be every year. And uh, wouldn't you know what? His numbers now have gone back to normal. Or he's, he's, he's 
significantly better at home. He's very good on the road. He is great at home, which is no surprise. So I, I posted this, and as you would have assumed, uh, facts uh, flew by these guys' faces that, um, that, that facts were not taken into consideration. Sure. Yeah. So I'm uh, like, sense. well, what are you talking about? You know, uh, you know. It, was, you know, it, it was one of those things. But yeah, he's... Uh, yeah, he's a guy that doesn't get talked about a whole lot. I mean, people like him. He plays a good third base. He makes these outstanding plays. Get that what walk-off home run for the to complete the cycle. So people like that. Um, AL MVP. The way I see it, Aaron Judge. He's backing off a little bit. Yep. Um, I would probably vote for Altuve right now. Sure. And uh, Mike Trout. I don't see him being any lower than third in this race. As you can make the argument, he, I mean, he's still the best player in baseball by a ton, even though he missed almost 40 games. He's going to be there at the end. He hit so a home run on his tra- birthday. He's done, well, he's done four out of five years. Um, he's a special talent. National League, though, you can maybe throw a dart and, and you wouldn't be wrong. Um, you know, Bryce Harper, he's going to be in the mix. Uh, the Dodgers have to have somebody. They don't have anybody. A, a standout right now, it might be like Corey Seager or Bellinger, obviously, is going to be in the mix. Mm-hmm. Justin Turner with his red beard, uh, vastly underrated. Uh, Anthony Rendon from the Nationals, he's having a great year. And uh, Paul Goldschmidt, who's probably one of the five best players in baseball, and just Paul Goldschmidt just doesn't. Nobody ever talks about him for whatever reason. He's in the desert. Yeah, Arizona's never good, but Paul Goldschmidt is incredible. He's like a, a modern-day Jeff Bagwell because he steals bases, average power, just... Paul Goldschmidt is hes quite unbelievable. And, and Joey Votto is having an outstanding year with the Reds, uh, even though they're terrible. But uh, National League more so than the American, American League. A lot of good players in the National League this year. I don't know who's winning... Uh, winning the uh, MVP right now, but I feel, I feel fairly certain the American League is probably going to be one of those three guys. Agreed. Uh, the, these old ladies need to get out of the rose bush. Stop digging for that home run. Uh, get out of there. Be nice to the flowers. Be nice to the flowers there. Uh, so that's great. Uh, the, just to go back to the Rockies, kind of wrap up the, the baseball talk here, unless you have any other points, uh, your, your pitcher, or your, your no-namer of the uh, week. Uh, are the Rockies built to sustain success for many years to come? Or, I mean, it's kind of contingent on them getting uh, some more starting pitching, but with the, with Blackman and Arenado and and whatnot, can they can they keep this run? Uh, can they sustain a run for the next three or four years or more? They finally started to hit here. They, I think they've been hitting over three hundred as a team in the second half. So their offense just. Nobody talked about how their offense just was not very good in the first half. And now that's finally starting to pick up, so that's good to see. Uh, Greg Holland, the closer, I mean, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year, and he's going to get mega, mega bucks, probably $15 million a year. But that's probably not, not something Colorado wants to spend, spend money on. Um, for me, it's all about their pitchers, and they have a lot of young pitchers. So this... Uh, I mean, if these guys can continue to pitch well like they have, I mean, they are going to be good because they were good there for a couple of years, 07, 08, 09, that time. They were good for like two or three years. They were pretty decent and made the World Series in one year. But I would say uh, their, their pitching is 
I mean, much better than the Twins, obviously, in yep. a pretty good spot to be good uh, for like five years, I think. If their pitchers at least can sustain uh, what they're doing. Um, they got John Gray, who everybody likes, who just has to get better. Um, they've got Jeff Hoffman, who I like, and he's had some bad starts and he's had some really good starts. Uh, Herman Marquez has probably been their most consistent guy. Um, but again, they've got a half dozen starters. They have more than enough starters to where if a couple of them get hurt or if a couple of them are not that good, they've got some depth starting pitching-wise. So that's good to see. Yep. And uh, maybe they'll sign a guy. Uh, logic would say a ground ball pitcher would be preferable in that ballpark. But um, to answer your question, I think they are as long as their young pitchers uh, do good. So I think they can be good for a couple of years. All right. What else? Uh, anything else to wrap up the baseball talk? Oh, the baseball talk? Um, there's a the ADC Class B Amateur Tournament ah. is going on in Mitchell. It's a little over halfway done. Uh, 32-team tournament. This is the 85th annual. Uh, last year was my first. Uh, this year's my second. Uh gotten into it more this year so it's uh pretty decent they get pretty good crowds for it some of the local teams are in it so that is good to see and the championship will be on sunday afternoon um fat bartolo had his complete game very exciting yes very exciting yep um still going hard at him at 44 so he has uh, exceeded my expectations and uh, Irv had one as well last week, so good good for him. His fifth or sixth complete game. Yep. Um, my player of the week would be a, a pitcher from Oakland, or my obscure player of the week would be a uh, pitcher from Oakland. My name is Paul Blackburn, I believe. Paul Blackburn. Any relationship and to Nick? No, not that. Uh, I think they spell it. I don't know if they spell it different, but. As far as I know, no. Paul Blackburn, 23 years old, from California, and uh, he's pitched well. Seven starts, GRA of 2.60. He doesn't strike anybody out, so that's not great. But uh, thus far through his career, seven starts in. has a 3-1 record with a 2.6 GRA. So Paul Blackburn, your obscure player of the week, who was good. Very good. Uh, Kyrie Irving, still a Cleveland Cavalier. Nothing to report on that front. Andrew Wiggins, uh, possibly going to get the max, but uh, Timberwolves owner Glenn Taylor wants him to commit to the Timberwolves. Is Glenn Taylor going to is Glenn, is Glenn Taylor going to screw this up? I mean, is it, this doesn't make any sense? I mean, Wiggins has gotten better each and every year he's been here. It, they expect him to get better this year. It helps that Jimmy Butler's there. Cats, you know, improving and stuff. You have a great team in place. Don't screw this up. Keep Wiggins. Keep Town. I know. I know. Keep Keep Wiggins. Keep Town. See if you can keep Butler around after a couple years. I don't know if they can or not. I think it. I I think it's a. a I think it's more likely than some people might think that they can keep Butler, but we just don't know. But. I mean, Glenn, shut the heck up, write the check, 
And I mean, this is the Timberwolves fans are excited, and you're dampening that enthusiasm because you need to be in control of something that doesn't need to be in control of. Put a clause in the contract for crying out loud. That would be very helpful. Um, NHL doesn't sound like they're going to allow any players who are under contract to go play in the Olympics. I was hoping that there was, I think there still might be a chance, but uh, highly, highly unlikely that we'll see NHL. Um, what? I, I, I don't know. That, that would be fine, yeah. I mean, it's all, remember, when it comes to this, it's all about the student athlete and all about school. Uh, but you know what? I think it would be okay to send these guys to the Winter Olympics. I mean, that's what they did in 1980. And uh, I believe that was the miracle on ice. So, so that's great. Uh, golf news quickly here, and then uh, we'll, we'll switch here to football. But uh, uh, did you hear that the PGA is going to move the PGA Championship from August to May. This will start, I believe, in 2019, and they said that then they might move the TPC from May to March, giving golf marquee events, and they're going to try and shorten the season up. I read this on CBS Sports. Um, so, I mean, you would have March is the TPC Sawgrass, April is the Masters, May the PGA Championship, June the U.S. Open, and July the Open Championship. Uh, this would seem to be uh, pretty good. I, I like this as well. So this a couple days ago. Because um, yeah, once we start getting this time of the year, people start watching football. And we got PGA Championship this weekend. We're going to the last weekend you can do this without football taking completely over. Yeah, I think a uh, great move. Um, like the, the U.S. Open and an Open Championship there, like within a month, probably less than a month. I uh, have two majors in there. Um, and the Players' Championship at the end of the year, that's just uh, in the midst of football season. And the FedEx playoff thing has never really taken off uh, during September, trying to get like a playoff format to get people to watch at the end of the year. But yeah, the season never ends. So going out like, all right, we're starting to work for the first uh, big events. Right. Nope. I, 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 you know, don't take away, though, from March Madness. That's all I ask. Don't take away from it. No, I mean, I won't watch this. The players, 
Um, switching on over to the NFL training camps. Well in uh, session here. The the NFL Hall of Fame game was last week. Cowboys beat the Cardinals 20-18. I guess from what I've heard, it was entertaining. Uh, kind of back and forth. You don't normally get that with the Hall of Fame game. But uh, then the, the, the speeches on Saturday. Did you watch any of this? I watched bits and pieces of uh, Kurt Warner, Jerry Jones, and LaDainian Tomlinson. Uh, but I wasn't really in tune with it a whole lot, and uh, it just seems like they went on forever. What you know, the seven speeches went close to five hours. This is a little ridiculous. Yeah, I just saw on Twitter people were complaining about how long these speeches were. I saw the lengths were like a half hour, almost a half hour. Three were over a half hour. A lot of speeches there. How about 20 to 25 minutes tops? How about 20 minutes tops? Because you'd, you'd be there two and a half hours. Yes. guys who are first-time eligible next year, Randy Moss, The Murderer, Ray Lewis, Brian Erlacher, uh, some other guys. Those are the three main ones. Could you see both Moss and Owens getting inducted in the same year and Erlacher and Lewis? I mean, that's two linebackers, two wide receivers. I could. I don't know why the Owens is in already. Um, I think the Hall of Fame is a joke for football the way they do it. Uh, Chris Carter took him a couple of chances and he's stupid. Um, Franny Moss is an in on the first ballot. That is an embarrassment. Um, mm-hmm. He was a receiver So, yeah, they got in first ballot for me. That's pretty disgusting. Um, and it, you can't compare it to anybody. Jerry Rice has the numbers. Uh, Jerry Rice doesn't appear all the time. Um, that's what you've ever seen. If he's not in first rally, that's, I would watch that. He's my favorite player. Yes. I would watch this week. Um, he, if he's not in next year, 
I would say this, because, I mean, T.O. arguably should have gotten in, but his, his antics oh, kept him off of it. Uh, and it, he will get in there eventually, as will Moss. I, I would say don't get... Uh, don't get all up in a huff next year if Moss doesn't get in. But if after two years he doesn't, then I think we can start saying, hey, what the hell's going on? But I think for now... I hope he's in next year, but I, I, I would say... If I... Stupid is that the word because he he openly said that he played when he wanted to so he loafed on plays um, water ball or the, like the water bottle incidents uh, running over traffic cops and again this is stuff mostly off the field. But I, writers are looking at this as a collective whole. Same thing with T.O., uh, how much of a you know bad teammate he's been at times. They aren't looking at the stats. I mean, I think so often we, we look at players and say, yeah, the, the stats prove that he's a Hall of Famer, but now people are taking into account more character. Like, let me – okay, I'll just bring this up here. Right, I, I, I know, I know that that's a great point. But let's say, I mean, when Adrian Peterson retires, I mean, is he going to be a first? Ba I know, but hey, he's a, one of the best running backs of all time. Are you? How about uh, is Adam Vinatieri going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer? I would be fine with that as far as working at kickers and what they do. Um, I think we play two more years and want more points than anybody. I hope he does. Still good enough. So, yeah. And of course, he'll get in because of those Super Bowl kicks. Uh, despite playing for 25 years and all these points. Um, I, guess, I mean, yeah, some of these guys are just, yeah, they should get in the uh, If you think the big curve more, are pretty good. That's a pretty good debate. I don't know if you should be in. Um, pretty sure Trill Davis shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. That's, um, yeah. that's not real great. That's not real great at all. The playoffs were, the, the playoffs were what got him in. Yeah, I mean, he won, uh, he won a couple Super Bowls, and that helps your cause. And uh, like Eli Manning, that's going to be interesting. Yep. Ten years from now, if Eli Manning gets in. Uh, but some of these guys, I mean, Moss, yes, Ray Lewis, um, Nancy should be in her locker right now. Joe Owens, Chris Carter should have been running right away. Um, these, this is, these are not tough decisions. These are not, ah, we'll get them in the second or third. We'll, we'll teach these guys. Fuck you, writers. Fuck them. <laughs> Uh, th that means you you are on Peter King's side, just FYI. Sure. So. I mean, if this is this is this is a common sense thing of because yes, yes, there's like no, there's no, there's no debate about it. Right. Uh, dolphins. I I I don't know if we've spoken to Charlie at all since uh, you know like. What did you do? Yeah. Uh, 
Oh, yeah, he is a Dolphins fan. remember is Cutler had his best season with Adam Gase as offensive coordinator in Chicago. And I don't even think we're still to the point yet where we know exactly what is going on with Ryan Tannehill. Uh, they say it's, you know, at the very least, probably out six to eight weeks. Might they proceed with the ACL surgery? Yeah, I mean, obviously they didn't bring in Cutler to sit on the bench and be Tannehill's backup. But tonight, I mean, you had all of the various reports last week about, oh, no structural damage, he's fine. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, he's going to have to have some serious rest. And then all this, uh, I, I, I don't get it. I really don't get what's going on, what's going to happen with Tannehill. I think he's going to kind of get screwed in this situation here. But, uh, I mean, if you're the Dolphins, and, I mean, we, we discussed Colin Kaepernick a lot last week. Between choosing uh, Kaepernick or Cutler, I'm totally fine with them going with Cutler. Uh, Kaepernick had the Fidel Castro shirt on before, so that was going to be a hard sell anyway in in Miami. But it just makes more sense the relationship that he has with uh, you know, with Cutler. So this was a, if this was a no-brainer for them to reach out to him. I don't know if I were Cutler if I would do it. I don't know how much this improves the, the Dolphins. I don't think it does at all. If anything, it keeps them the same, which I thought to begin with they were about a 500 team, maybe 9-7 and seven tops. Now with this year, I could see them, yeah, 7-9, and 8-8. Eight and eight. I like um, last year when Cutler had a good year, had a case, I think they were a pretty bad team, but his stats were pretty good from what I have heard. So, I mean, I, this Dolphins team was kind of that Bears team that he was on. Um, and then we did come out of and he got to an NFC championship game, and then he had some pretty good years, and his last couple have not been good. Um, so if he can do what he did when he was open a couple years ago, I think he was pretty good, and I think he won, you know, nine or ten games. So I think, um, because I think he's better on the high end, but also he's going to throw some interceptions. He'll be bad on the, on the bad and negative side, but, um, <clears throat> Yeah, and now he doesn't have to talk about the Bears game because that was the game he was scheduled to call week one uh, Falcons Bears. I, I just didn't him as a broadcaster. All the guys 
I, th I think he's more intelligent, though. I mean, obviously he went to Vanderbilt, but I think there's a side to him that I think will come out of the booth that you're like, wow, I didn't necessarily see that, but I I, I can definitely see him getting in there and, uh, and doing some good work there. So that was the major headline last week. With, which I would say is probably a loss. Don't lose to them, but that could be the one game that the that the Jets lose. And I'm gonna say it right now. I will give um, I will give the Jets or I will give the Patriots about a, at least a 50% chance to go undefeated this year, at least because they are they've reloaded unlike any other Super Bowl team that I've, that I've ever seen. Uh, we'll get into this in the NFL preview here uh, in about a month, but. I will say this right now, and I, I will take this bet with anyone. The Patriots lose fewer games than the Jets win games this year. Playoffs included? Uh, just regular season. Jets, Patriots have fewer losses. Yeah. That's what I'm going with. Because I say minimum, they lose two games this year, or at maximum, they maximum they lose two games in the regular season. And I, just looking at the Jets, I, I just don't know. I, I I really don't know how they're. Uh, it could be uh, uh, Luke McCown. Maybe they'll go Christian Hackenberg. Uh, Bryce Petty's in the mix there, and Quincy in, in Oahu is—he uh, just injured his neck and is out six to nine months. So that was their best wide receiver. Like Quincy in Oahu is when that's your best wide receiver. When that's your number one option, things don't look good. You have Matt Forte, sure that's great. Uh, I mean, their tight ends are, I guess, a position of strength. But if you don't have a quarterback or you don't have some wide receivers to help stretch the field, uh, things could be pretty bad, despite the fact that their defense is going to be, uh, I would say, probably top 10, top 15. Yes. So... Yeah, I could. I think Cleveland could do it. I mean, do you think Deshaun Kaiser, Brock Osweiler is going to start Week One in the of the preseason? But that by no means indicates that he's going to be the starter Week One of the regular season. People are raving about Deshaun Kaiser here. Uh, do we do we think Brock Osweiler is going to do it? Well, like, do we, do we foresee him starting and having any sort of success in Cleveland? He will start. He will not play well. And they do not need to get to all the only five. I think they start 0-9. And it's not that I don't think Cleveland's okay or better. It's just that their first half of the schedule is tough. They've got... 
three division games for four weeks. Yep. And the problem is they're the worst team in that division. So I have to pull. That, that could be... That could be interesting, especially with Andrew Luck at this point still not uh, not ready to play. I would, I mean, I'll give Indy the the nod right now, but that could be interesting. No. Uh, I I doubt it. Nope. Yeah, high, highly unlikely they win that one. I'm looking at this and I just see I happen to look and the, December 3rd they're they're playing the Chargers and they have LAC and I, I just automatically think Clippers this, this is dumb that's a terrible idea here to get the Chargers in LA. This is just awful. But I don't know why they're finding this soccer stadium that holds 30,000. I think they wanted to start in LA in the 60s, 21 years. Yeah. They're going back to their roots, Jack. They're going back to their roots. Yeah. It's it, it's not it's not good. I don't I don't like it, but. I don't, I was, yeah, I, I've already expressed my thoughts on, on San Diego here. A couple other things, though. Uh, Dalvin Cook is looking phenomenal in training camp uh, We're uh, for the Vikings. He has the number one position, uh, number one spot on the running back depth chart. I think that's a pretty safe hold for now. Latavius Murray was activated from the pup list, the physically unable to perform. So that's good news for, for him. We'll see what he can do. Riley Reef has been missing a bunch of practice, but Mike Zimmer says that uh, it's no concern. It's just a minor injury. I don't know if he's looking at this with his good eye or his bad eye, but that's certainly uh, somewhat of a scare here for the for the Vikings and their fans. But how about this? You, you pay – I mean, they're paying everyone on the defensive side right now. This reminds me of the Seattle Seahawks here. I just hope that they have enough money left – cap-wise, to be able to keep some of the guys on offense. But uh, Linval Joseph just got paid a four-year, $50 million deal, $32.5 million guaranteed. Uh, Well-deserved. I hope he can stay healthy. That's the that's the big thing with him. But uh, it's, it's nice to see the Vikings committing to their defensive core. They're really good players to make sure that this defense is good for years to come. Yep. Shocked. And how about the defense being dominant again? Uh, 
and uh, I won't do anything with that. So I'm Unfortunately. I would hope that's not the case, but I do somewhat fear that you are right. Uh, otherwise, anything else here? Anything else? Looking, looking, looking here. Um, uh, Brandon Albert retired from the Jaguars last week, and then this week he says he wants to play again. Uh, the Jaguars like that? Eh, no, not really. You're going to be placed on the retirement list here. Um, I don't understand what's going on there, but uh, it seems like only the Jaguars can uh, muck this up. The uh, How about this? Deshaun Watson, uh, number two on the depth chart there at the Texans. That's uh, significant here. So hopefully we can see our Clemson guy uh, do some stuff. And then uh, Zach Zenner is apparently getting some goal line, getting the majority of the goal line carries for the Lions in training camp. So that's significant news. Uh, any other NFL news from the training camp, anything like that that's caught your attention? No. But, uh, Brandon Moss is what he's done. Here's with the 98 Vikings. They scored the most points ever. Yep. Here's with the 07 Patriots. Yes. He absolutely was. Um, so the Vikings play the Bills. Opening week preseason, week one. Get excited, folks, for preseason football. That's Thursday night. Yeah, unless they're doing with um with that, that kid from Old Dominion. Um, yeah, Taylor Winnie. Uh, oh, yeah, yep. Yep. And they've only lost one time uh, in the preseason under Mike Zimmer. And by the way, I mean, it, it's very sad that they are now done at Mankato. They're 52 years. They will be holding training camp next year in Egan. Saw Egan sent a tweet like right after, like, hey, thank you, Mankato, for all you've done. Uh, remember, training camp's here next year. It's like, oh, a little, a little salt in the wound. Maybe maybe that was a little soon, Egan. Maybe that's a little soon. So that's going to be a bummer. But, uh, yeah, uh, great. I, I've, I covered Vikings training camp during my internship at uh, KEYC, as there is video proof evident of that. Uh, we'll have to dig that out of the vault here at some point. But um, been to training camp a few times before. Uh, it's very, very fun. Uh, had an enjoyable time. And uh, I hope that the Vikings make next year in Egan and for years to come a great fan experience. I I am a little skeptical of that, though. Um, win the Super Bowl. How about how about a playoff game or two? No, There we go. Yep. I hear you. 
Last thing, last thing that I have, and then uh, if you have anything else here, uh, SDSU basketball re revealed their non-conference schedule here uh, earlier this week. Don't know if you've taken. Well, you know what though, I will I'll say this. Um, there are some schools in here that you're like, oh my God, really? Um, I'm looking at you know. University of Mary, Dakota State, and Concordia. All these games. And presentation. Please, please don't forget that. And please don't forget my folks. Alabama State. So Alabama State. Well, okay. The, I, but I'm, I'm singling out the, the schools that are like Division Two or NAIA. I'm, I'm singling them out first. Uh, I was going to say that... Right. Yep. I know. I, it, I I I agree. It appears that they had the whole a home and home schedule. With Drake. There is a. I was going to say there's another uh, heavy. Um, Missouri Valley Conference flavor to this, and then I remember that Wichita State left the Missouri Valley, but they do go to Wichita State again. They're going to get shellacked there. I, I'm impressed, though, by the fact that they were able to get three Power Five schools. Uh, Kansas, that's going to be uh, very interesting to see. Uh, can I, my birthday? My birthday is the day before, so all I'm asking for is for South Dakota State to lose by less than 30, L lose by less than what I'm turning. November 16th. So do that against Kansas, but that's going to be interesting. Um, they, they go to Ole Miss at the end of November. I'm curious to see how that's going to go. I, I mean, Ole Miss certainly doesn't seem like a school that scares me. And then Colorado's had some success here the last few years. Of course, didn't make the, the tournament this year. But at least you do have three Power 5 schools uh, that will give them a test. And they could have four because they might face Iowa in the Cayman Islands. Classic here, you have to take Wyoming on. Wyoming's a pretty decent school out of the, the Mountain West. So, yes, we can look at the home schedule, but it's very tough to get teams to come up to Brookings. We know that. Uh, they will play Missouri State in Sioux Falls at the Pentagon on December 2nd. So, yes, it, it's, not the, it's not the most difficult one, but I, I, they are going to be tested here, and they have Mike Dom, of course, for two more years. So you, you just got to get ready. You got to build your resume up good and hopefully steal a, a couple of wins here. But um, I, and then I, I still say USD and SDSU. It's, it's them and then everyone else. I would say Omaha probably third, NDSU a distant fourth, especially with Kai Cabellus leaving the program here. But uh, I, I look at the schedule and I'm happy with it to a degree that you're playing some of these good programs. Hopefully more of the country sees you and hears about Dom. But, uh, yeah, it's like at the same time, you get the University of Marion, Dakota State, and Concordia, it's like, and presentation. I, how, how can I forget presentation? It's just like, ugh. Like, these teams don't count as we're like RPI or what. I mean, these teams, because they're Division II NAIA schools. They 
Granted, he's been four days in rehabilitation in Georgia to come to the state and marry uh, eight mates. So I got eight mates, not counting the schedule. The other one's too terrible, except for those wins. Uh, don't count or shouldn't count. So that's not great. Um, Kansas, Colorado, terrific. Yep. Wyoming, yeah. uh, or, I'm not sorry, uh, I already mentioned Wyoming, uh, but where is it looking at? I mean, even North Dakota, yes, they're coming down to Brookings, but that's a tournament team from last year. Uh, so you're, you're playing, they are playing schools from some competitive conferences at least, that we, or at least that we know are good. Uh, I mean, UC, UC Irvine was, you know, has, has done some things in the tournament here before, so uh, for whatever that's worth, but I, I was just excited to see the schedule come out because I'm very excited for college basketball this year, as I am for every year. Uh, last year we talked a lot about it and uh, looking forward to another year of college basketball this year and, and talking all about it. Um, another is another Cuban Island game. Uh, I assume they lose Wyoming. Um, I assume they're going to play Lafayette. Maybe they win that game. I'm not sure. Um, they probably play like Chile or Buffalo in that third game. So I don't know. Those are teams. Well, I mean, UAB is decent in conference years. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you said it best. I mean, IUPUI did screw them over, uh, you know. Uh, it's, I mean, this was never going to happen. It would have been nice to like, get one of the conference teams to play a conference game. Uh, if you know, so schedule thing, um, you know, you want to play a third time, we're pretty good, and you're pretty good. How about instead of playing presentation? And Concordia, we play each other once. Okay. We play in Sioux Falls. We play in Sioux Falls. We play in a neutral site game somewhere. We, you know, do something different. Yep. Uh, like that. Uh, well, let me let me just run through last year's schedule here for you. They did play School of Mines, the, the non-conference. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know. Not good either. No, and so this year is better. I'm just going to say that right now. Right out of the gate here. Uh, school, they had School of Mines in the exhibition. Then they went out to California. They played the Cal Golden Bears and UC Irvine. Uh, they came back for a, a game against Wayne State. Then they they did travel out to Laramie to take on Wyoming. They did play at Idaho. They had a home and home with Idaho that year. They played UC Irvine again in Sioux Falls. They played East Tennessee State. This was the tournament that was down at the Pentagon. and they, So they played UC Irvine, East Tennessee State, and, and Milwaukee. Uh, then they played Minnesota Crookston. So that's nothing. UMKC, nothing there. Northern Iowa, that's fine. Again, it mentioned the home and home with Idaho. Then Murray State, Drake, and Wichita State. So, I mean, let's give them some some kudos here for getting the power five schools that they did this year the old misses the colorados the 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 kansases because that 
that's going to set them up, I think, better. Even if they lose by you know 10, 15, 20, that's going to set them up better here for the for the Summit League uh, run. Eight in the non-conference last year, and I think it was only eight-eight this year. Um, like I, I like the schedule last year better because there's only you know late states, and Cook's been the only two awful teams. You don't play two teams that are non-conference. That's fine. Right. Um, I got like Murray State for Cape. The way they play them again, I play Utah State again. Uh, Northern Iowa and. Because it's all about the draw, really, on the women's side. Sure. Now, why, why can't the men get coming? What sorts of biggest men's team that's ever come to Brookings? So the women, they need to pick any of five, and they've had Penn State, they've had the... U of M? They had Notre Dame. They, they, they had Notre Dame. I mean, that that's the biggest one. Yes. The, the best team not called Connecticut, so to me, I think Nebraska maybe years ago they had USC back in all seven. That's maybe they were top 20 team. So I'm not asking them to bring in, uh, you know, Michigan State here, but why can't the men get anybody good? The men have been good here for a while. They make the tournament four years and they don't. I mean, Northern Iowa's going to go back and forth and they want to play them. Um, Murray State finally came back after a few years. Drake is terrible. Uh, Wichita State, so I wouldn't imagine that was ever coming up here. Why can't they get that equivalent of whatever sounds happening? Why can't they? Like Oakland, what the hell is Oakland doing? I know Oakland plays right. the same schedule every year. But Oakland, you want to believe Drake did in the world? Well, that's why you're here. You can see it. I'm sure Wright State would be fun to help get Wright State back there. Uh, but, like, why, why can't they bring in uh, Ohio Valley team, Belmont, somebody, somebody good, something good made the team, why, because they never need to do it. So, a lot of times you think. We'll see if they can do that. Uh, I'm, I think T.J. Otzelberger can can do that. Uh, but yeah, I, I, like I say, we have to see again. I don't. I really don't know how the Summit League is gonna, how the landscape of that's gonna all play out here. Um, you know, I, I just because other teams are gonna leave, then you got UND coming. In, I, I, so I don't know really how everything's gonna go down. I was just looking at USD's schedule, see if it came out. Uh, the only two games that I see. At Duke and at UCLA, so the USD is preparing for a significant. Oh, so that, 
Yeah. So, you know what? It's SDSU is not doing that, but they do have Kansas. Like I said, they do have Ole Miss. And let me tell you something right now. Wichita State's going to be outstanding next year, uh, or this year, I should say. Yes, I said I only needed one year off. I said I just don't know how you're going to replace the Fred Van Bleets and Ron Bakers of the world. It can't. This is going to be a recovering, a rebuilding year for them. I didn't think I, I wasn't going to off jump off completely. Not with a not with Marshall there. He he's too good. This the the program's too good. And so I'm 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 on them. I just was taking a back seat last year. I was letting you drive the bandwagon. I was taking a nap. Yep. Oh my gosh, home run derby breaking out here at Target Field. My goodness. Uh, Dozier hit a grand slam, and now Kepler. Yeah, where are you? So, there you go. Well, uh, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't because maybe you shouldn't because then the, then you know the pitching's gonna falter here again. I'm so excited to, to, to think that my life is in danger. So, yeah. all right. Anything else before we say so long? <laughs> Thank you, Krenz. We'll talk to you next week. Oh, I will. I will. You too. You too. I know you're going to have a big uh, big viewing party, a big spread. Oh, jeez. Well, how about Tiaspa Zona? Okay. <laughs> we know you're... Very good. <laughs> Thank you, Krenz. Travis Krenz joining us here, Sports Block Podcast. Appreciate his time. Uh, as always, you can listen to him on this podcast as well as on the 2080 Baseball Podcast. Uh, which can be found on iTunes, as you can find this podcast on iTunes as well. Just search the Sports Block there on iTunes. Also, we'll have a tweet link out to it later this week. You can follow me at Andy Stacken. Otherwise, follow me on Facebook, Nathan Stacken. Uh, search me on Facebook. That, that's fine. We'll have a link to it here later in the week. We'll also have a, a, a link to the to the podcast in the blog, The Stack. You can find that at Stack Attack. That's sportsblog.com. It's good. Glad to, glad to see uh, the SDSU basketball non-conference has been unveiled. But, 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 
Uh, we're excited about football here. Dallas uh, with SDSU, they're looking really good this year. Uh, of course, NDSU is going to be great. James Madison is going to be good. They're your defending FCS champions. But SDSU's got two locks at, uh, at for draft picks, I believe, right now. Uh, Jake Wenicke, wide receiver, Dallas Goddard, tight end. Assuming that they stay healthy, which is always a big if, always cause for concern. But we'll get into some college football talk next week. We'll try and get Charlie Hildebrand on here, and uh, we'll, we'll really start breaking down college football here because there's a lot to discuss, a lot of conferences. So we'll do that here over the next few weeks, as well as some baseball talk, NFL preseason, more Vikings, and anything else big going on in the world of sports get to it all then so uh, for travis grins i'm nathan stackin thank you as always for listening to the sports block podcast appreciate your patronage your listenership and we hope you tune in again next week download us on itunes sports block podcast listen to us let us know what you want um otherwise just be entertained nathan stackin saying thank you for listening hope you tune in again next week for another edition of the sports block podcast